Philippians 4, verse 4. Go there with me this morning. Uh, this is not... Well, you know, when a preacher preaches, normally he starts with a text. Well, he should. And if a preacher doesn't, pre- doesn't preach from a text, get out. Okay, so Philippians 4, verse 4, uh, Paul says this, Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. Rejoice in the Lord on Sunday and Wednesday. But the Bible says to rejoice in the Lord always. And he repeats it. He says, again, I say what? You have to rejoice. So can you rejoice in the Lord right now with me? Come on, just just begin to rejoice in the Lord this morning. We rejoice in the Lord this morning. We just are so glad. You know, the the one emotion attached to your joy is, is gratitude. When you feel the joy of the Lord, you'll always feel gratitude. I want to talk to you this morning about the, the doctrine of joy, the title of my message this morning is Joy is a Person. Joy is a Person. His name is Jesus. And I want to share with you this message on joy because, because I, I, I fear that, well, I don't have a spirit of fear, but I don't, I don't have that, so I, I got I to gotta correct myself and repent sometimes. But I've noticed a theology of suffering has crept into the kingdom. It's an infection. It's a lie. You know, the enemy wants to, he wants you to embrace a theology of suffering. Joy is mentioned 430-some-odd times in the Bible. Happiness is mentioned 10. The Bible talks so much about joy. You see, joy is internal. Happiness is external. Joy, then, if joy is a person and the person is Jesus, and Jesus abides in you, then joy is a part of your being. Happiness is a part of your doing. But joy, it's, it's central. It's, it's at the core. If we were to, to pull you apart, and open you up. If this were you, and we were to open you up, and we were to start getting to the core of you, what we're supp- if you are a born-again believer in Jesus, if we get to, do you have, how many know there's always the one person person that was the life of the party. You remember the, <laughs> the life of the party? You know the life of the party? I began to wonder, you know, back in the day, who was the life of our party? If you were like me, I was sitting around thinking, man, I can't, I can't really remember. And then I went, oh, it was me. If you're like me, I was always the person of joy in the room. I always wanted to have fun. And hidden deep inside of me, before I ever knew it, Jesus was in there. I gave my life to Jesus around seven years old, watching, uh, watching Sunday morning television. You know, back in the day, when you had to actually go to the television, I was clicking through the channels, and I stumbled upon this one channel with uh, 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 Pastor Jimmy Swaggart. And Jimmy was crying, and I froze when I, and I said, oh. And he led me right there on a Sunday morning. All, my mom was in bed, my brother was in bed, everyone was, but I was there alone watching Jimmy Swaggart on TV. And I remember giving my, but I was never, but the person of Jesus was never nurtured till later. But he was there. And I didn't know it, but all through my life, and I come into a room, I wanted to party, man. 
You know what I mean? I just wanted to party. I didn't realize that I was partying the wrong way. I just wanted to have fun and party. And I've noticed that there's a lot of miserable Christians. And they confound me. What are you so sad for? Why are you always talking about what's wrong? Why are you always, why are you so negative? Why are you so cynical? Why? Jesus is risen. You know why? You know why? I, I learned this. You know why they're sad Christians? Because they did not grow their joy. Joy is buried somewhere deep on the inside of them, but it's been covered up by years of, you know, years of just, you know, just stuff happening. You know, stuff happens. People die. Stuff happens. It don't go the way you thought. Stuff happens. And you, but if we were to peel away all of the misery, all of the, all of the pain, all of the rejection, all of the shame, if we were to get to the center of you, somewhere inside of you, there is a party. Somewhere inside of you, there's a party inside of you somewhere. And what I want to do today is turn the party back on inside of you. I want to turn your party back on today. And I want, to, I want you to understand that we have not received a gospel of suffering. And I want you to see the blasphemy in embracing a theology of suffering. You see, if you can contribute to your salvation through all of your misery, then you don't need the suffering Savior found in the prophet of Isaiah. You see, it's blasphemous to believe that if you suffer more, Jesus is glorified. Jesus suffered so you could live in joy. It doesn't mean that you won't go through hardships. It doesn't mean that the circumstances of life that are on the outside won't have an effect on you. But what it does mean is you don't trade the joy on the inside for the suffering on the outside. You don't trade the pain you're going through with the Jesus that brings you through the pain you're going through. You hold tight to your joy and you say, it doesn't matter what happens because I have the joy of the Lord in my soul, in my spirit. I am full of the joy of the Lord. And if you embrace, if you, were to, you and I, if we continue to embrace uh, this theology of suffering, well, we minimize, we minimize heaven's ability to invade the earth. We nullify it. We actually partner with the enemy to ensure that pain becomes our reality. That rejection, that shame, that our circumstances become what's on the inside. But I want you to know today that if you have Jesus on the inside, there's nothing on the outside that can steal what's on the inside. If Jesus is on your inside, then you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and still have joy. You know, there'll be days you'll be sad, but you'll still have joy. There'll be days of loss, but you'll still have joy. There'll be days where you feel like a loser, but you'll still have joy. So this morning, I want to talk to you about joy. The one thing I want you to understand today is that joy is central to the believer's life and that joy is Jesus. So it's central. It's at the core of you. There is joy. And that joy is Jesus. Joy is our focus not our suffering. The moment you put suffering in front of you and all you do is look at it, you know you drive to what you look at.
And so you have to train yourself to not drive towards suffering, pain, rejection, failure, misery, negativity. So you take, you take the suffering and you move it to the peripherals where it belongs. It's there. You can see it, right? How many, you can kind of see the person to the right or to the left of you right now. But they're not your focus. You have to keep Jesus as your focus. Keep Jesus central in your life. I, uh, I stepped out of the hospital. It was about 24 hours of just incredible shock. Incredible dismay. Overwhelming. My wife had died. She was dead for nearly 15 seconds. And the whole experience, she had bled to death. She coated on the, on, the, on the table in the hospital room. And 24 hours later, after she was stable, going through all of that, all of that, I, I went through all of that, and I walked outside for the first time after 24 hours of being in the hospital. I remember it like it was two seconds ago. I walked outside, and the sun was shining. I was in Orlando. And it was shining, and I walked outside, and I looked up at the sky. And right there in that moment, joy flooded my circumstance. Right there in the middle of, of the enemy trying to steal, kill, and destroy. Right there in the enemy, where the en where he's right there in the middle of the enemy trying to take my promise from me. Right, right in the middle of it, I walked out outside, and right there in the parking lot, I broke down and wept tears of joy because on the inside I was reminded God fights my battles he's with me and as long as he's with me there's no there's no weapon formed against me that can overwhelm what's on the inside of me joy like Nehemiah says became my strength in that moment many would say in this hour that God's not concerned about our happiness. I don't know that I agree with that. I'm not so sure I agree with the idea that God doesn't care if I'm happy. I'm not suggesting that he's a genie and he's here to just, you know, kind of answer my every request. But what I found in the Bible, this this very confusing, perplexing uh, set of scriptures, read them with me, is found in Matthew 5, 3 to 11. And it says this, Blessed are those who mourn, for they're going to be comforted. You know what blessed means? Happy. Happy. <laughs> this means happy. And, and, and God said, when someone dies, you're, you can have joy. And I want to encourage you and comfort you this morning that those who die in the Lord are present with the Lord. They're absent here, but they're present there. Therefore, Paul said, comfort one another with this idea that you are comforted by your Father. It, it goes on and says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Happy are the meek. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Happy are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Happy are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Happy are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And happy are those who are, wait a minute, I don't want to say that. Happy are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are you when they revile and persecute you. And they say all kinds of evil things against you for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. 
For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So I would say otherwise. I believe that perhaps then that, that God is referring something different than our perception of joy, our perception of happy. Maybe he's talking about something totally different that's on the inside rather than on the outside. You see what God's saying there is he's saying it doesn't matter what happens on the outside because joy doesn't come from the outside. Joy comes from your inside. I want you to know today that joy is deliverance. If you have joy, you have deliverance. Isaiah 35.10, you know the scripture. It says, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return. Man, I'd write that down if I were you. I'm coming back. I've been ransomed by the Lord. I'm coming back. And this is how Jesus says your return. This is what he says your return is going to look like. You're going to come back with singing and with everlasting joy. It'll be on your head. It'll be in your thoughts. It'll be, it'll be witnessable for, for everybody to see that your return is going to be greater. Your return, you're coming back. And when you come back, you're coming back full of joy. It goes on to say they're going to obtain joy and gladness. Said so what you went through. See, what Isaiah's, he's saying, you know, God just can't help himself. If you read the rest, if you read the entirety of Isaiah, it, it speaks of judgment. And right in the middle, right in the middle of the book, God says, I, I, I know, I know, I know. But let me tell you something. I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring joy in the middle of judgment. I'm going to bring joy in the middle of oppression. I'm going to bring joy in the middle of your depression. I'll bring joy right there in the middle of what you're going through. Joy is a deliverance. If you have joy, you could, like, you're coming out. Joy will bring you out of oppression. Joy will bring you out of sadness. Joy will bring you out of circumstances on the outside. You see, the world wants you to be happy. God wants you to be full of joy. And, and here's what I've learned about, about God, is that he'll use happy and unhappy to bring you joy. I lost everything. I lost everything. Home, kids. I was in debt up to my eyeballs. Dennis, you were there. You were with me in that season. I lost everything, but I had the one thing. Oh, I had the one thing. I lost everything, but I had the one thing. I had the joy of the Lord that saw me through. God used unhappy. Was I happy as I went through it? Nope. They took all my money. I was $30,000 in debt. I didn't have anything. I have a penny to my name. I, I was barely making any money. I lived on raisins and peanuts and coffee for a year. I'm not kidding you. In my refrigerator, if you were to go in my refrigerator, you'd open it up. There'd be a plate. I, like, I don't know why, but I like my peanuts and my raisins cold. I figured, you know, everybody eats some room temperature. I'll eat my peanuts and raisins chilled. Chilled. <laughs> And for a year, I had nothing, but I had everything. I want you to know that God will take your unhappy situation and he'll, and he'll lead you into everything. He'll lead you, he'll, he'll use the circumstances on the outside where you feel like you've lost everything. And then all at the end of it, I want you to know you're coming back with joy on your head. You're coming back with everything that matters. You may feel like he's stealing your health. You may feel like he's stealing your mind, your thoughts. But I want you to know if you have Jesus on the inside, he's going to bring you back to everything you ever wanted every need every he supplies every need according to his riches and glory and I lost it all but I found eternity inside of me suddenly in the middle of my unhappy 
joy began to grow on the inside of me. And I declare that over you today. If circumstances on the outside are defying the joy on the inside, it's just growing joy. You know, that what, that's what needs to happen, you know, for, for a lot of us. We need to increase our joy. We need to grow our joy. And a lot of times, God will use unhappy circumstances to increase the joy on the inside. Joy, I want you to know this. Romans, well, well, let me give you a scripture. God will use unhappiness to bring joy. Romans 8, 28, it says this. And we know. What do we know? Everything that happens on the outside works for our good. Everything, every pain, every struggle, every disappointment, every, every time the tr- when the truck broke, you know, everything that happened when the, when the kid wasn't living right, everything that happens on the outside, God says, I'm using it to increase your joy, and I'm going I'm, I'm to ransom them, and when I bring them back, man, they're coming back better than they were when they left. You say, well, this, you, you say this of your children. My children are, 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 are lost out there. I want you to know they're coming back. And when they come back, they're coming back with everlasting joy marked upon their head. They're coming back. So all things work for your good. Not just some things. But every circumstance on the outside works for your good. And it grows your joy on the inside. I want you to know that joy is always greater than suffering. Don't you for one minute begin to adopt this idea that that what you're going through is greater than the force of joy on the inside of you. This is what it says of Jesus. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, looking unto Jesus. Who do we look at? We look at Jesus. So we look unto Jesus. And he's the author and he's the finisher of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. It wasn't the cross he was focused on. It was you he was focused on. And I want to point your attention to the joy of the Lord. Put your attention on the joy of the Lord. Take your attention off the suffering uh, that you're going through and put your, your focus because that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus, that's what brought Jesus through and that's what's going to bring you through. For the joy, once again, Joy is our focus. Suffering is peripheral. Is the cross real? Yes, the suffering of the cross is real. Is the pain you're going through, is it real? Yes, it's real. But I want you to know that joy is realer. It's realer. It's a whole lot more realer than the pain on the outside. It's the realest, you know that. It's the real deal, the joy of the Lord. So it's never. And so when you're in the middle of, of, of pain, when you're in the middle of you know, circumstances that defy joy, you have, to, you have to tell yourself, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's what Nehemiah told him. He said, listen, I don't want to hear any crying because the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord, you've got to to hold on to the joy of the Lord when the circumstances on the outside defy the joy on the inside. You've got to hold on to Jesus. Jesus is your joy. I want you to know today that joy is central to kingdom life in the spirit. This is good. Romans 14, 17, I I want you to read this with me. It says, for the kingdom of God, now when you read that, I want you to say, for the government of God. Watch this. For the government of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Pause. So so the government of heaven is not circumstantial. It's not contingent upon whether you have or you don't have. What you have, what you don't have, who, what they have, as opposed to what you have. For the kingdom, the government of our God is not external, but the, now, now here, what, here it says. It's not a matter of eating, drinking, but the government of God, watch this, is righteousness, is peace, and is joy. You see, the pillars of the government of God that he's attempting to establish in your life is righteousness, 
You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is a pillar of the government of God. If you want to see the currency of heaven come alive in the earth, then you have to have the government of God operating in your life. The government of God says the currency of heaven is your righteousness. Your righteousness causes you to go boldly before the throne of grace and make bold requests before God. Your righteousness is so important to your, to your standing in the earth that it, 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 it's a principle, it's a law in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven says you must have righteousness. You must have peace. You can't be double-minded. You can't operate with the spirit of fear. I've noticed the spirit of fear has crept back into society again. I've noticed it, but I want to encourage you. Your God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. If you notice, if you begin to see the opposite of power, which is, you know, weakness, if you begin to see the opposite of love, which is hatred, if you begin to see the opposite of of sound mind, which is clarity, confusion. So anytime you see those things, you know that's the government of hell. The government of heaven is peace. It's clarity. How do you know when, when the government of heaven is operating? Well, Because there's peace. There's righteousness. And there's joy. There's joy. There might be pain, but, but there's a smile in the middle of the pain. You know this is what confounds your enemy. When you can go through hell and go through hell smiling. When you can go through hell and still say, yet shall I praise him. When you can be in the middle of a doctor's report and look at the doctor and say, Jesus is Lord. When you can look at the attorney and say, even though I lost everything, I've gained everything I've ever going to need in this world. That confounds the enemy. He doesn't know what to do with you after that. Only thing he knows what to do with you then is just like, well, the only thing I can do with a, with a believer like that is, well, I got to get them to embrace a theology, a theology of suffering. Because I got to get you to embrace suffering as, as a virtue to service to your Lord. Once I get you to do that, then I can make, I can't take you out of heaven. I can't, he can't take you out of heaven because Jesus said, all that have been entrusted to my hand, I've lost none. I will lose none. And I want you to know the power of Jesus' hold on you is more powerful than the suffering you're going through. But the enemy knows the only thing he can do for you, the only way he can overcome you is get you to embrace suffering as your reality. Is get you to be a sad little Christian. Just a sad little wimpy, victimized Christian. Just get you walking around talking like, oh, just never gonna get, nothing ever goes right for me. This happened the other day, and you know, I, this is probably gonna happen tomorrow, and this is my reality today. But the Bible says you're more than a. That means you never lose. If you never lose, why are you so sad? Why is that, why are you so sad? Why so, if victory is your destiny, why so sad? Why so cynical? Cynical Christians are the worst. The cynicism has got me, man. I'll be in a room and, you know, you'll see it one way and then the, cynic, the cynic in the room will be like, yeah, but. Oh, man, get out of here. Get out of here, man. So joy. Joy is central to the government of heaven. How do you know the government of heaven? How do you know when heaven is in a room? It's joy. It's joy. We can't sing songs that are sad. Just, we can't sing songs that are sad. You, you can't maintain a sad posture. Doesn't matter what you go through. Because the government of heaven, when it's operating, is joy, peace, righteousness. That's what the government of heaven looks like. Now, now take stock of the governments you participate in. Huh? Now, your people, you know, your people, you know, the people you hang out with. Are they associated with peace? Or is there chaos? Is there, are, are there, are, did that make you feel more righteous or less righteous? might not be the government of heaven. The government of this world, but not the government of heaven. 
Joy is a spiritual choice. It's a choice. You choose whether or not the party inside you grows. You choose how much of the party inside of you is witnessed on the outside. Because this is what the Bible says in Galatians 5.22. Did you know that joy was a fruit? And in order for fruit to grow, it must be nurtured. It must be watered. It must be fed. It must be tended to. It says this, the fruit of the Spirit is what? It's love. It's joy. It's joy. It's joy. It's joy. It's joy. It's joy. You didn't realize that joy is a fruit. Do you grow the fruit of joy? You must begin then to grow and increase the portion of joy inside of you. Joy inside of you must become greater than happiness on the outside of you. Joy is always a product of our relationship with Jesus. The more time you spend with Jesus, happier you'll be. The less time you spend with Jesus, the more cynical you'll become. The darker you'll see this world. The world's getting scary. We need joy to endure. <laughs> you, turn, you turn on anything today, and it's like, oh my goodness, there's UFOs, there's big feet, there's... I, you know, I, who would have knew? I, who would have known? Louie's been telling me this for years. Say, UFOs are real. Say, no, they're not real. Stop it. Here we are, man. I'm telling you, if Elvis Presley walked through the door right now, I would not be surprised. <laughs> Bigfoot. Bigfoot was underneath my bed tonight. I'm like, it figures. We didn't know the end times would be exactly like the Bible de de described, did we? I mean, it's like, wow. What book of, what ch chapter of Revelation are we in today? Joy is stationary and unending in the believer's life. It's stationary. John 15, 11 says this. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may do what? Remain. Joy is not supposed to come and go in your life. It's not supposed to blow in. You know, if you're having a good day, woke up on the right side of the bed, you have joy. If you woke up on the floor and things aren't looking so good, or maybe, you know, maybe the dog bit you or something, or maybe your wife is nagging at you, then you have an excuse not to have, not your wife. You know, I'll look away, I'll look away, I'll look away. <laughs> maybe your husband's not doing the things, you know, cleaning the house, you know, like, but it, it remains. Jesus said, I've given you my word. I've given you my word so that joy stays. I want it to stay. And not only do I want it to stay, look at what he says. I want the, my joy to stay in you, but I want my joy to be full in you. So not only is joy supposed to stay with you, be a constant in you. You're supposed to be the life of the party every day, every time. You know, you can always count on Obi to be the life of the party. I remember this one time. He was trying to be the life of the party. We were at the trampoline place somewhere out there, and I forget where it's at. And he was jumping, jumping, jumping. He jumped in the middle of the swimming pool full of foam. Have you ever seen these? He jumps, Marty, he jumped so far into the middle, he couldn't get out. And for about 30 minutes, we formed a chain trying to drag him out. But he had on sweatpants. And I don't know if you know anything about these foam pits, but the more you pull on somebody, it pulls. You come out without socks, no drawers. You come out like, you come, you come out the way God made you. You know what I mean? So he's trying to climb out of this thing, pulling his drawers up, pulling his socks up. He's try, we're trying to get him up. He's like, no, wait, wait, wait. I got to pull my pants back up. I got video footage of it. If you want a good laugh, hit me up later. I'll send it to you. <laughs> it's supposed to be full. It's supposed to remain full. 
It's supposed to be like overflowing in your life. You walk into a room, you turn the lights on in that room, man. We walk in the dark circumstances, you know, circumstances that are governed by happiness of this world. No, our lives are supposed to, we're lights. We're supposed to shine in the middle of it. Joy is supposed to be just oozing out of our pores. Every word is supposed to be just saturated with joy. Joy is identifiable. You know this. This is what the psalm says. Psalm 45, 7 says this. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has done what? He has anointed you above your companions with the oil of joy. You see, this, you see the, our, our Catholic brothers and sisters, they walk around with the, with the cross on Ash Wednesday. You know you have a, a mark on you. The mark on you is supposed to be the oil of joy. It's identifiable. And if, it, if, if nobody can identify the joy in you, it's not big enough. The party's not big enough. You got you to spend more time with the person of joy. His name is Jesus. And you'll walk into that room and your kids will know. And you'll walk into that hospital room and, and the nurses will know. And you'll walk into your your job and your boss will know there's an identifiable mark of joy that you and I walk with in the earth from spending time with Jesus four reliable sources of joy quickly abiding in God's word contentment Jesus and surrender I'm closing now abiding in God's word John 15 11, these things I have spoken to you these words I have given to you by abiding in God's word you will increase your joy. Your party will get bigger if you make a decision to abide in the word. Now, to abide in the word means to remain in the word. Every day, put it in. Every circumstance that defies joy, go to the word. Every, every unhappy situation in your life, take it to the word. Every time the enemy tries to steal, kill, or destroy in your life, take it to the word. Get a word of joy about that thing over your children. Get a word of joy about that thing over your career. Get a word of joy. Not a word of suffering, not a word of sadness, not a word of, 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 of angry, but get a word of joy about your situation. That means you'll walk in the, in the work happy, even though they say, you know, we're not going to do this for you, we're not going to do that for you. You can walk in the work happy. You can talk to your kids a lot happier if you get a, a word from the Lord of joy. You'll, you'll deal with sickness a lot easier if you get a word from the Lord of joy. Joy is your strength. Joy is your strength. It will bring you through. Get a word from God about joy. Contentment, 1 Timothy 6, 6 says, Now godliness with contentment is great. You want to you gain a party? You want to increase the party? We must learn to be content. Here's what happiness does. Here is the deception of happiness to, to the church right now in this hour. Happiness is trying to convince you and I, as covenant-believing children of the Most High God, that our source of joy is contingent upon whether we have or we don't have. That's what the world will teach you. But Paul said, it's of great, great encouragement to the believer that you become content. That's why Paul said, doesn't matter have much, doesn't matter if I have nothing. I am abased. I am I'm satisfied. Doesn't mean you're not supposed to pursue good things in life. It just means if, you know, for some reason, they tear. You know, my wife asked me, what it's my 50th birthday this year. I'm going to be 50. I'm going to do some crazy stuff. You guys should do it with me. I don't know yet. I did, we already did one. We went down to Daytona on, on motorcycles. But I'm going to do something crazy this year. I don't know. I never want to jump out of a plane, but I'm 50. Maybe I'll jump out of a plane. I don't know. Does it feel like I got to test the boundaries of God's grace over my life a little bit at age 50, you know? My wife said, what do you want? I said, well, I'm pretty content. But, you know, if you're just giving me stuff, 
I don't, I, I don't want for anything. But you know, New Harley be nice. You laugh just like she did. She said, you got three of them. Yeah, she, what are you talking to my wife? She said, you got three. I said, well, I'll trade one in. One. And I'm not trading all three. Come on now. I got friends. I want them to ride with me. You know what I mean? But I'm content. Are you content in your life? The more content you become, the more the joy of the Lord grows in your life. The less you strive, the more joy you have. He said, man, it's a great gain to the believer to just be content. To know that Jesus... He is my everything. If I have him, I don't need anything else. If I got Jesus, I don't need you. I love you, but I got Jesus. Be content. Number three is Jesus. Here's what it says of Jesus. John 3, 29. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. Man, if you got Jesus, you got joy. It says this in Psalm 16, 11 of Jesus. You will show me the path of life and in your presence there is In his presence, there is an unending fountain of joy. In his presence, there's a never-ending sea, a depth that cannot be known of joy. In his presence, there is fullness of the joy of the Lord. In his presence, you can't, it's unsearchable, it's unknowable. The depth of his presence brings the joy of God to your life. His fool in his presence. I mean, you get into his presence and you can just, you can instantly, you can be going through hell and just instantly be full of joy. The joy of the Lord. And lastly, surrender. I want to take my time here. I close with this. You say, how does surrender lead to joy? Because there are so many in this room that are striving and fighting battles that don't belong to you. We sung, we sung that song earlier and I came alive. Because I want you to know the battle you're fighting is not yours, man. Man, that's, you're not picking a fight with me, devil. You're picking a fight with Jesus. And there's something, there's something to be said of surrendering. Stop for just one second. I, I want your wholehearted attention. See, if you come into Jesus' presence and you leave Jesus' presence and there is no yielding, you've not allowed the presence of the Lord to fight for you. There's so many of us. I see it. I see it. We'll get right to the edge. You're right there, man. You're right there. You're hanging on right now. You're looking at me. You're looking at me, and you're, and you're right there on the edge of it, but you refuse to surrender. You're right on the edge of it, and you're like, I, I just can't. I can't. So you come, you come in, and you're under control. You sit in the middle of it, under control. I, I agree with that. Oh, I want to shout right now, but I can't. I'm under control. I want to raise my hands, but I, I must control myself. The altar call happens. There's a moment where you, God asks you to give him everything. I walked out of the guidance counselor's office. I want you to hear me. The guidance counselor told me, you're a nobody and you're a nothing, literally. You're never going to be anything. 
We need to talk about your future and how you're going to be, you're probably going to be working at a fast food restaurant the rest of your life. He began to say things like, you know, there's not a, there's not a whole lot, you know, I can tell you, Troy, but th- you know, your future's full of just disappointment. See what he said to me? I walked out. I walked out of his office, f- discouraged, disappointed, broken, feeling hopeless, like, man, maybe he's right. Maybe that's who I am. Maybe, maybe, maybe everything in my life is really telling me the truth. But somewhere, somewhere on the inside, joy began to speak. And I want you to know right now, if you've been in that situation, where like everything in life tells you you should hang it up. You should just succumb to, to the pain you're going through. Succumb to what life is, is telling you. Just, just go ahead and embrace the, the suffering of life. Just embrace, just embrace it. Just become who you are. I want you to know that joy will talk to you. Joy will talk to you, and it will tell you the truth. And I took two steps out, and I began to feel that disappointment. But right in the middle of it, somewhere on the inside of me, joy began to tell me a different story. Joy began to tell me, no, I've got greater plans for you than that. I'm going to dismay them. I'm going to confound them. You just watch and see what I do, Troy. You just watch and see how I take you, and I use you you for all of my glory. The other day I was coming in off of Route 58 and I looked up at the billboard and I was reminded of that conversation of that guidance counselor. I said, look at that. Jesus is glorified. That's me up there. That's me up there telling everybody about Jesus. And I want you to know if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. But what it's going to take, it's going to take surrender. It's going to take you surrendering. I woke up three inches of snow. You heard me tell this story many times. Three inches of snow on me. It was freezing in the winter. And I felt like what that guidance counselor said. And right there in the middle of that night, I should have been dead. I should have died of hypothermia. I should have never woken up from my drunkenness. Right there, the voice of the Lord came to me. And he said, get up. And when I rose up, the snow fell off of me. And I said to God, I surrender. I give up. I surrender. Take my life. You see, because an encounter with Jesus, if you have an authentic encounter with Jesus, you'll give it all up. You'll give everything in this world up. You can take it all. Just give me Jesus. You must surrender. You must surrender. You're watching me. You must surrender. On the cross, Jesus said, he said, I surrender. He says of Jesus, he he said, it is finished. And with that, he yielded to the Father's. And my question to you today is, will you yield in the presence of Jesus? Will you let go, finally let go? Give it all. Give everything. Your children, your marriage, your job, your health. Give it all to Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't care. I don't care what happens to me. I just want you to know I surrender it all to you. I do it all just for you, Jesus. And in surrender, there is a freedom that comes to you. In surrender, there is a joy that falls upon your life. The world can't give it. The world might give you happiness. That man might give you pleasure. That 
bottle might temporarily give you happiness. But let me tell you something. The joy that you're searching for, the joy on the inside of you, only comes from Jesus. Come on, stand to your feet with me as we close today. You're here today and you say, this is the day I want to surrender. I want to surrender again, Jesus. Today, I encourage you to choose joy instead of happy. I tell you today, joy, joy is with you today. Joy is greater than your suffering. Joy is your destiny. Joy is at the center of your life. I encourage you to choose joy. Right now, choose joy. Joy is bringing you out of every circumstance. God has marked you with his joy. Stay in the word of God. Remain content in all things. Stay close to Jesus. The world tell you you've messed up. Don't go to where Jesus is. But your father says you messed up. Come on home. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me today. Shame's going to come, and shame's going to tell you, you can't go there anymore. You can't go back to Jesus anymore. But I want you to hear your father say, no, no, you messed up. you got to come home. you got to come home. You're not safe out there. You must come home. Surrender. Let Jesus fight your battles. Come on, pray with me. Jesus, right now, I pray encouragement to every person in this room, everyone watching now online I declare the joy of the Lord is your strength I declare the joy of the Lord is your peace I declare God is fighting your battles for your children right now and I declare their names in heaven come on just say their name I say their names right now I declare God that you're fighting the battle for my child right now. You're warring in the heavenlies. I rebuke a spirit of sickness and addiction. I rebuke, God, a spirit of rejection and shame. I declare, God, they are yours. They belong to you, God. In Jesus' name, if you're in this room, Christians are praying. If you're here today and you've never given your heart to Christ, you say, this is the moment I've been waiting for my whole life to finally surrender to the Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed, you're in this room now, you're watching online. And you wanna surrender your life to Christ finally. You just wanna lay it all down. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I repent. I ask you to come into my heart. Make me brand new. Take my life, destroy the works of the devil. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen. Can you put your hands together for Jesus one more time? Altar ministers are gonna come forward. If you need prayer today, we wanna pray for you. If you prayed that prayer, we wanna pray for you. So please take the time to come this way before you go that way. We'd love to meet you at the rear of the sanctuary if this is your first or second time with us. We wanna get to know you, share our story with you. Live right, love everybody, pray hard, be full of the joy of the Lord. God bless you.